Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. I want us to get into the Word tonight. The last few weeks we've been looking at this message um, entitled The Heart of God, and, and, and I started this a couple weeks ago, and and, you know, we've really just been diving into, you know, what I believe are characteristics of, of God's heart. Amen. And we've been learning about, you know, uh, what I believe the Father, you know, you know says over us and, and, and says about our lives. And, and so we've learned a few things. And in the first week, I'll just touch on a, a few things. We learned this, that we learned that the heart of God is in a Father. Amen. You know, we, we read that verse that, that says that, you know, he will not leave us as orphans. Amen. And, 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 you know, it doesn't matter if maybe you came from a background where, you know, you didn't have a father. Maybe your father wasn't present in your life. You know, the Bible says that when we believe on Jesus, we inherit and we receive the heavenly father also. Amen. When we when we trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we receive a father. Amen. And we, and we are led by that Father. We, we are, you know, guided. We're given wisdom by that Father. He's the one that teaches us. He shows us. He helps us. He does everything for us. And so we learn, firstly, that the heart of God is in a Father. Amen? The second thing that we learned uh, in, in, in uh, not last week's message because we had dinner, but two weeks ago, uh, we learned that God's heart is always about his will. Everybody say that with me. Say, God's heart is about his will. It's never not about his will. Amen? I don't know about you, but how many of you have ever, like, started a task? And you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to clean out the shed this weekend. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, uh, I'm going to reorganize the pantry. And we start a task, right? And then we, we, we get sidetracked in the middle of organizing the pantry or cleaning out the shed. We're like, oh, you know what? The grass needs to be cut, so let me take care of the grass. And then we leave the shed project undone, and then and while we start to cut the grass, it starts to rain, so then the grass gets half done because it's raining, and then we go inside, and we're like, okay, well, let me do something. And we, we, we constantly shift our plan. We set out to do one thing one day, and we set out to, you know, maybe, you know, achieve some, some goal that day or what have you, and we, you know, go out to do it. And next thing you know, the littlest thing will just distract us and deviate us from completing the task at hand. And, and, and the Lord is not like that. How many of you are grateful for that? The Bible says that he does not change. Amen. He is not like the shifting shadows. Amen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm grateful that we have a God that is consistent in our inconsistencies. That's dependable when we are not dependable. Amen. I'm grateful that we have a God that is, that is, that is focused and if he wasn't focused, then I believe that we would find ourselves, you know, caught in the middle of nowhere sometimes because we were serving this God that changed his mind all the time. But the Bible says that he's always about his will. And one of the first things that we learned about that was this, is that we learned that the heart of God and the, 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 the heart of the Father is about his will. What does that look like? That looks like that even if we go through a season of suffering and you yourself are going through trials or temptations or, or personal suffering or what have you, you're going through a challenge in your life. As heart-wrenching as it is for the Father to maybe see what you're dealing with and have compassion on you, it still will not deviate him from his plan. How do I know this? Isaiah 53 verse 10 says this. It was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. His son, his one and only son, was falsely accused, was Put on a cross in exchange for a criminal. He was not given his rightful place in this world. People didn't believe he was who he said he was. And God being the father of this son could have been like most parents. I don't know about you, you know, for those of you that have children, you know, uh, I think... 
as parents, we're naturally want to favor our child. We naturally want to, you know, make sure that our child is taken care of, make sure that nobody's abusing our child, make sure that our child is protected. And we can easily say, you know what, this is, this is too much. I don't want my child to have to suffer, so I'm going to just pull them out of the situation. But instead, the Lord is looking at his son upon the cross, and he says it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. What did that mean? That meant that the Lord had more his will in mind, knowing that the suffering that Jesus would suffer would be temporary, but it would have an eternal effect. And the things that you and I face in this world, they are temporary, my friend. Amen. You've heard that saying, and this too shall pass. Because guess what? It shall pass. Right now, you may be feeling like you've been in this same season for the last three, four, five years, and you're going, oh, my gosh. When is this season going to shift? This too shall pass. It's going to pass. It's sometime it will move on. Amen? But the Lord's will is the most important thing to his heart. And his will for your life is the most important thing. Because at the end of the day, the Lord has a plan for your life. Amen. Amen. He has an eternal plan for us, and he has a plan for us here and now. But the truth of the matter is that the Lord wants that plan to be fulfilled in your life, no matter what it costs. No matter what it costs. And he's not going to change his mind. Amen? Amen? So we can stop trying to force God into our will. And we can just easily submit to his. Amen? Amen. There's, a, there's, a, there's a joke or, you know, humorous thing that says, if you want to make God laugh, show him your plans. <laughs> it's true. In the book of Proverbs, it says that the Lord thwarts the plans of his people. That, that word thwart literally means like, it's like if God had, you know, you wrote down all your plans on a tablet or a piece of paper, God like goes like this, And then he smiles and he looks at you. And then we have those revelations like, you know, Job and, and different, you know, people in the Bible. It's like, you know, we're the, we're the clay. We're not the potter. You're not the potter of your life. You're not the architect of your life. You're not the mastermind of your life. You're not the one that's, that's, that knows the beginning from the end. Amen. And this is, what, this is what causes a lot of frustration in our Christianity and our walk with God because at the, end of the, at the end of the day, we try to manipulate God's will to conform to our life instead of submitting our life to conform to his will. And Jesus modeled this perfectly, amen? Jesus modeled this perfectly that even in his last breath while hanging upon a cross, he said, yet not my will, but your will be done. This hurts, this hurts, Lord. I'm bleeding. I'm, 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 I'm in pain. I'm, I'm, I'm in the worst punishment that I've ever felt in my life, but it's not my will. It's your will be done. And the Father's heart is always focused on his will. Amen? With a few minutes that I have left with you tonight, as we continue, let's get into part three tonight. I'll read this story to you. In the spring of 2010, there was a skiing accident that took the life of her a 13-year-old daughter, this is a Tara Storch, uh, it took the life of her 13-year-old daughter, Taylor. And what followed for Tara and her husband was every parent's worst nightmare. A funeral, a burial, and a flood of questions and tears. And so they decided to donate their daughter's organs to needy patients, and few people needed a heart more than this woman named Patricia Winters. And so her heart had begun to fail five years earlier, and it was leaving her too weak to do much more than just sleep. And so Taylor's heart gave Patricia a fresh start on life. And Tara had only one request. She wanted to hear the heart of her daughter. So her and her husband flew one day from Dallas all the way to Phoenix. And they went to Patricia's home to listen to Taylor's heart. And the two moms embraced for a long period of time. And then Patricia offered Tara and her husband a stethoscope. And when they listened to the healthy rhythm, whose heart did they hear? Did they not hear the still beating heart of their daughter? However, it indwelt in a different body, but the heart is the heart of their child. I want us to just pray for tonight's word. Lord, we thank you. 
And Father, I just thank you for the power of your word. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would speak to us tonight, Lord. I pray that every heart is open. God, every ear is attentive. Lord, let us receive, Father God, from you, Lord, tonight. We're here for you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Such a tragic story to hear something like this, to hear that, you know, a parent lost their child and, you know, it was a, it was a miracle sense that, you know, they were able to use her organs, her heart and her other organs to offer a life to someone else. But those parents, they, they heard their child's heart in the heart or in the life of another person. And as a tragic of an event as that must have been for those parents, I believe that it illustrates perfectly what the Heavenly Father went through when he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice for the sins of humanity. You see, it was only through his death could the greatest miracle of a spiritual heart transplant take place. And the Father's heart desires to listen to the heartbeats of his creation and hear the heart of his son. Amen. The Father's heart desires to listen to the heartbeats of his creation and hear the heart of his son. You see, in the old order, in the Old Testament, the presence of God was like an outward manifestation. You know, at one time it was a pillar of fire. Another time it was a cloud of God's glory. But under the new covenant, his life has a new dwelling place. That is the regenerated and the reconstructed human heart. And God promised, he said, I will put my law in their inward parts and I will write it upon their hearts. And this covenant promise can only be fulfilled in a new birth. And this can only happen when a person is born again. Amen. How many of you are born again tonight? Praise the Lord. Ezekiel 36 in verse 26, he says this. He said, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. He said, and I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. He said, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to follow my laws. It was said this, that the head learns new things, but the heart forever practices old experiences. The head learns new things, but the heart forever practices old old experiences, you see, and unless a person's heart is made new, new, unless it's repaired, you see, the Christian lifestyle is not behavior modification. Amen. Amen. Surrendering your life to Jesus is not simply behavior modification. It's like, oh, I go to church now. This is how I talk. This is how I walk. This is the lingo that we speak. You know, this is the places that we hang out. You know, like, that's just behavior modification. Anybody can do that. But it doesn't mean that there's nothing that's actually transformed inside of your life. And unless a person's heart is made new, unless it's been transformed and transplanted in the spirit, then and only then, can the father find the heart of his son in his creation? Then and only then can the father put his ear to the chest of those that he has created in the image of his son and hear the heartbeat of his son, Jesus. See, the Lord is looking to and fro this earth and he's looking and listening to our hearts. Because on the outward, we can fool a lot of people. I know people that have been in church for like my whole lifetime <laughs> or longer. I know people that have, have, have professed that they've been saved for my lifetime or longer. And you know what? I, 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 I'm often like impressed by that, but sometimes I'm not because, you know, I feel like, man, if they've been saved my whole lifetime, then they should be up here doing this. They should be the elder in the church. They should be walking in the fullness and the power of the glory of God. But maybe they've just sat in the church for 50 years. And at no point did they ever have this thing happen where they were born again, but instead they just sat in a place hoping that if they sat there long enough, they would transform. You see, it doesn't happen that way. I don't sit in my garage and become my car. Amen. That'd be kind of crazy though, right? He's like, man, Pastor Duke turned into a Ford Edge, you know. 
you know, just took off. So it doesn't matter how long you sit in church. In fact, it doesn't matter how long you even open this book up day after day. That's irrelevant. What is relevant and what is most important is that there is a dying to oneself. There is a surrender. There is a, a revoking of all the things of this world and say, Lord, I forsake all things, Lord, to follow you, Jesus. And at that moment that you believe in Jesus, if you believe in the work of the cross and what he has done for your life, then and only then, my friend, can you be born again. I have to say this because it's really important. If you cannot remember the day that you met Jesus and were born again, then my friend, I really need to ask you the question, are you saved? I remember the day. Make no mistake. I remember the day the Lord saved me. I can remember it like it was yesterday, but it was actually in March of 1998, spring break. I was here in this church, and I was, you know, we didn't have this building at the time, but we were, you know, in the other sanctuary at the time, and we had a, a youth, uh, you know, a gathering kind of, you know, thing that they did, and I don't even know what happened. They did, like, games and all kinds of stuff or whatever. But I remember my youth pastor preached, and when he preached, you know, he just presented the simple gospel. And he said that if any man believe. In the Lord Jesus Christ, if anyone would believe, if they would trust in him as their Lord and Savior, if they would confess him as Lord, they would believe in their heart that the Lord raised him from the dead, that they would be saved. And I'll never forget that day because it was this beautiful moment where I heard the Lord just calling me and drawing me in. And I remember I went and I gave my heart to the Lord and, and, I, and I've testified about this many times, but two really you know, huge things happened in my life that day. For the first time, I ever felt what love felt like. I never knew what love was, but in that moment, I, 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 it was palpable, if that makes sense. And the second thing that I felt was this tremendous weight lifted off my shoulders. Now, at the time, I was probably about, I don't know, five, four, and about 118 pounds soaking wet, I didn't have much weight on my life, but I felt a tremendous amount of weight lifted off. And I believe that was just all of the generational curses and burdens and shame and sin and you name it. God just went, Phew. and only he has the strength and the power to do that. You see, in order to be born again, you have to die. It's a dying to oneself. It's saying, Lord, I'm done. This guy, he's done. I'm surrendering it all to you. I give it all to you, Lord. And this is how we are to be born again. Jesus tells in the scripture that unless a man is born again, can he inherit the kingdom of God? Romans 10, 9 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How many of you are grateful that you're saved tonight? Amen? Come on, I mean, are you grateful? Like, I'm grateful, man. Like, we could start another worship service right now. I know I'm grateful. Edgar and me are grateful. Amen? All right. How many of you are thankful that because of his blood and his sacrifice and his pain that you are now made righteous before God? Amen, man. Whew, that's a good one. I couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. We can work our way into that. We can earn that. Not enough good songs that you can sing or not enough good deeds that you can perform to, to ever make yourself righteous before the Lord. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful and I'm thankful that he saved me. Because I was broken. I was burdened. I was lost. I was so many things. I was desperate. I was in desperate need of repair. And how many of you know when the Lord... You know, you know, when we're born again, the Lord doesn't just repair your heart. He renews it. Amen? Y'all ever shop on Amazon? Amen? Raise your hand if you shop on Amazon. Okay, knock it off. <laughs> I know you spend way too much on there. We all suffer from the same disease. But 
you shop on Amazon, and if you ever look, you'll see a product, and it'll say, oh, the product is, you know, $50 or whatever. But if you scroll down a little bit lower, you'll see that they sell it refurbished also. And then, you know, the refurbished one, it's like new, you know, but, but it's a lot cheaper. You know, it's $29 or $25 instead of $50. And I need to tell us something. The Lord does not refurbish our heart, and he doesn't repair our heart. He doesn't take you into the mechanic shop of heaven and and say, oh, you know what? I'm going to work on the engine of their heart and I'm going to fix their heart. No, I'm giving them a brand new one. And that one has this beautiful connection to me so that it thinks like me. It wants what I want. It wants to follow my ways. And you can't do it any other way. Like I said, there's no such thing as Christian behavior modification. It doesn't work that way. And so unless a man's heart is renewed, he will never understand the ways of God. He'll never understand the ways of God. He'll never be able to fathom, you know, the ways of God. He'll never be able to know Jesus. And it was like the Pharisees in the New Testament. The Pharisees were, you know, had encountered Jesus for a number of years before his ministry began. But once his ministry began, they were constantly like running into Jesus and they're arguing with him and they're questioning him and they're asking him where he got his authority from and they thought he was blasphemous and all these different kinds of things. And they were always arguing with Jesus about who he was. But here's the truth is that they were walking next to the Son of God, but yet they could not perceive who he was. Why was that? They were literally like, I mean, they could touch the man if they wanted to. But they couldn't perceive and understand who he was because their hearts were filled with hatred, with deceit, and with lies. Matthew 13 and 15 says this, For this people's heart had become calloused, and they hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and he said, and I would heal them. There would be something that had to be unlocked in them knowing Jesus. You see, they couldn't just see Jesus and be like, yeah, well, he's a guy. Like, I see the guy there. No. What did they have to do? They had to believe who he said he was. That's the difference. A lot of people know about Jesus. And a lot of people know of Jesus. But how many believe who Jesus is? You see, that's the difference. That makes all the difference in the world because we can all say, I've confessed Jesus as Lord and you still see people living heathen lifestyles. They're so full of the world. They look just like the world. They act just like the world. They talk just like the world. They walk just like the world. And you have to think to yourself, have they ever read the scripture? It says, he who is a friend with the world is an enemy of God. I mean, like, let's turn and show them that one. But see, sometimes we're trying to get people that have never yielded their life. They've never believed in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They've never confessed him as Lord. We're just trying to get them to change their behavior. Hey, stop acting like the world. They can't because they haven't died to themselves and they haven't surrendered their heart yet to God. You see, unless they die, only then can they be born again. And the promise of Jesus to anyone who would declare and confess him as Lord and believe in faith that his father resurrected him from the dead and that he is now alive today, he will give them a heart to know him. That's the promise. And so write this down. The heart of God for humanity is for restoration of relationship. I'll say it one more time. The heart of God for humanity is for restoration of relationship. Jeremiah 24, verse 7, he said, I will give them a heart to know me. Why does he give us a heart? Why does he give us a heart? It's to know him. So you can't know him unless he's given you that heart. That is your access key to be able to fellowship with Jesus, to have relationship with Jesus. Otherwise, he's just a figment of your imagination. He's just somebody you've heard about, but you don't really know him. But here he says, I will give them a heart to know me that I am Lord. He said, and they will be my people and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all of their heart. This is their new heart. 
You see, and the key to receiving a new heart is belief in Jesus. The key to knowing the heart of God is belief in Jesus. Amen. And the way that we know the heart of God is through relationship with Jesus. So once we've confessed him as Lord and we believe in who he is, and we know him as Lord, he gives us this new heart. And now because we possess this new heart, do we have the ability to have relationship with him? Amen. Now all of a sudden, the Father is able to look down at our life and, and, and he, he looks down at us and he sees us because he's created us already in his image. In Genesis, it talks about that. He's created us in the image of God, in the image of his son. But now we have the heart of his son. We carry the DNA of Christ within us now. When DJ was ministering right now, he was talking about our heart being a residence and a dwelling place for his spirit. Amen? Amen. You see, unless he gives us that, do we possess it? Are we able to know him? Did you know that anyone can read their Bible and still not be saved? It's true. You know that you can go to church, you can confess Jesus as Lord and still not have the Holy Spirit? It's in your Bible. Taught you that a couple months ago. It's in the book of Acts. Talks about how there was believers that believed in Jesus and they believed in the works of the Messiah, but they had not yet received the spirit. So it's not like this instantaneous thing. So we have to understand these things. Amen. Did you know that men can study the Bible for a lifetime and they know nothing about God? Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and he mentions this in John 5. Verse 37, he says, And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. He said, You've never heard his voice nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. So when he's addressing these men, he's literally standing in front of them talking about himself. But he's saying, You don't know him. He's... All, all of what you guys read is talking about me. And I'm in front of you. I'm right here in the flesh, but you've never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor his, does his word dwell in you. For you do not believe in the one that he sent. He's saying you do not believe in me. Verse 39, he said you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. Oh, that's it. It's just, it's just here. It's just these pages of this book. I know some people that are, I mean, phenomenal when it comes to scripture. I'm talking context. I'm talking cr cr chronology. Like, I'm talking, like, all of it. Like, they're, they're whizzes at this stuff. But if you check their fruit, and their fruit isn't fruit of the spirit, it's just head knowledge. That's it. It's just head knowledge. How many of you know that any, anybody, I can teach anybody how to play an instrument. Did you know that? Like, I, we could have a music class right now. I, I can teach you how to play an instrument. You do not have to be musically inclined to know and learn how to play an instrument. Neither do you have to be a literary scholar or whatever to read a Bible. You don't have to be able to do that. I could open the pages of the Bible with any person in this world and show them a verse, but it doesn't mean that they know God or God knows them. He said, you study the scripture diligently because you think in them you have eternal life. But these are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me and have life. Jesus is saying, you, you refuse to, to, to come to the one who unlocks all of this for you. Who opens up the treasure chest of heaven that gives you access. He's saying you're refusing. See, faith is what? It's believing in Jesus. Amen. That could sound so redundant if you've been in church your whole life. But you know what? If it sounds redundant to you, then I pray that you would ask God for forgiveness. <laughs> Why? Because at the mention of the name Jesus, your heart should be moved. At the mention of the name Jesus... Just the very thought of what it is that he has done for your life. Your heart should just well up with emotion. 
You see, because if it doesn't, then maybe you still have a heart of stone. You've yet been given the heart of flesh. Faith is believing in Jesus. It's wholeheartedly acknowledging Jesus as the Son of God. Adrian Rogers said, Faith in faith itself is just positive thinking, but faith in Jesus is salvation. Amen. And this is the starting point for a relationship. And this is what the Father is desiring for all of his creation, that we would have faith in Jesus so we could know him as Lord. See, there's a difference between knowing God and knowing about God. Amen? There's a big difference between knowing God and knowing about God. This is the difference, I believe, of that benediction when Jesus will speak to those on the right and those to his left. He'll say to some, well done, good and faithful servant. And he'll say to others, depart from me, I never knew you. Right? We can know about God or we could what? Know God. Amen? When you truly know God, then you have the energy to serve him. You have the boldness to share him. You have full contentment in him. You need no one else because he is your portion. Amen? Knowing God is your single greatest privilege as a Christian. Did you know that? Your calling, the works, the position that you hold, the, the things that you do for God, those are all nice and, and noteworthy things, and they're, they're all good things, but none of those things, none of those things will ever be superior to simply just knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus is primary, A1, the greatest privilege that you have as a believer. It's the greatest privilege that we will ever have to know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I read that scripture in, I believe it's in Ephesians 2, but don't quote me on it. But I know it's in the book of Ephesians, and it talks about how the Lord desires that all of the fullness of the God would dwell in us. Now, you want to, like, explode your brain. Think about that for a while. <laughs> We're talking about God. The one whom holds all things together. The one whom the Bible says the earth is his footstool. The one whom put the stars in their place. The one who makes this earth orbit and do all that stuff. He's bigger than the galaxy that we're in. And it says, and he desires to have all of his fullness dwell in us. Lord, I don't know if I could contain that. I'll never forget one of the most powerful experiences I ever had with the Lord was several years ago. I mean, I, it had to be, gosh, I'd say close to maybe almost 20 years ago now. I've had a lot of powerful experiences with the Lord since. But this particular experience was like, have you ever heard of that statement, like the weight, the weightiness of God's glory? Like God's glory has a weight, <laughs> if that makes sense. And I'll describe it to you. So I was with uh, some of the brothers in the church at the time, and we just came together to pray. And, and you know, there's powerful things when, when men of God pray together. Amen? There's powerful things that happen. And I'll, I'll never forget, we just joined together in prayer. The next thing I know, to, to my understanding of what Scripture says, I believe that we were in the Shekinah glory of God. Now, a lot of times we've been in the presence of God, and, and you guys have experienced that, and we've, we've tasted, you know, the overflow of heaven that's poured into our lives before. But when the Shekinah glory of God steps into the room, the Bible describes it, and it says that the priests could not even minister and do their duties. And there was about five of us, I believe. Uh, it was myself and Brother Santiago and uh, Brother Rene, Brother Gibby, and, and uh, Brother Ruben. We're all together. And the next thing I know, I don't even know how it happened. Like, this is the crazy part. I don't know how it happened. All I know is we're all on our face. And my recollection of the moment that I could describe to you was like this tremendous weight, glorious weight, 
not like a, like I felt like, you know, God was trying to smash me, but, but like, like this wonderful weight. And we're I'm weeping and I'm crying and I'm speaking in tongues. And, and, and I just feel like, I, I mean, I could almost describe it as electricity or fire, you know, just this crazy, like just power. You know what I mean? Like power. Like, has anybody ever been electrocuted? Am I the only one? I've been electrocuted two times that I can recall. <laughs> Maybe more. That's why I'm a little crazy. <laughs> and it's, like, powerful. Like, if you've ever been electrocuted, like, you know, there's, there's two types. One pushes you and one pulls you. And, and on one, I actually got sucked in. Like, it was, it, was, it was crazy. Like, and I had to, like, physically, like, I don't know, push against the power, if that makes sense. This time, under the presence of God, was, like, just... This, this jolts, volts of electricity just like burying us in the glory of God in the most awesome way. And I didn't even know how, to, how it started, and I didn't even know how to stop it. It was just this wonderful, wonderful time with the Lord. And I'm saying all this because in that one moment, it shifted everything for the course of my life. One, I mean, that was a drop of God. Not any one of us could literally contain all of God in us. I'm not saying that the scripture is lying. What I'm simply saying is that his desire is that he would dwell in us that much. That all of him could be in all of us. It could literally consume us. His heart, his passion, his desires, his will, his everything. It would just consume us. There would be nothing of us left. Imagine being so filled up with the Lord that you don't look like you. Amen. That, I believe that should be our prayer. Amen. That we're so full of the presence of God. We're so full of the Holy Spirit that we don't look like ourselves, but we, we, we walk like Jesus. I love that scripture in the book of Acts. I believe in chapter 4 when it said that, you know, there was a blind man that was healed. And it said that the evidence of that was that they knew that these men had been with Jesus. See, that's what relationship looks like. When somebody looks at your life, they know that you've been with Jesus. They know it's not you that's talking. They know it's not you're, you, you're really good at like behavior modification or faking it until you make it or whatever. They know that the spirit of the living God is upon your life. And I want to encourage us to examine our hearts. To examine our hearts because if we have no desire to know Jesus or little desire to serve Jesus or little boldness to tell others about him, then the question must be asked, do we even know him as Lord? Because everyone in scripture that knew him as Lord, they followed him as Lord, and they always had several things in common. They'd follow his path. What was his path to suffering, to persecution, even to death, uh, to self? In 1 Peter 4 and 16, he said, If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Praise God that you bear that name. In Revelation 12, 11, it says, They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. You see, these people carried the heart of God. Amen? Why? Because they were literally walking life just like Jesus walked. Amen? The other thing that we notice is that they would do signs and wonders and miracles. You see, if they had relationship with Jesus, then the things that Jesus did, they themselves would now do. John 14, 12 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me, everyone say believes in me, will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. It is supposed to happen. Supernatural activity through relationship with the Holy Spirit will flow from your life if you truly believe in Jesus. Amen. And I need to warn us and I need to just say this. Listen, do not dumb down Christianity or do not dumb down what the scripture says based on your experience. You might say, well, Pastor Duke, I prayed for a lot of people and nothing ever happened. Well, I can tell you this as a fact. The equation is not wrong on God's end. Amen. So if it hasn't happened and the miracle working power is not yet flowing, pray and ask the Holy Spirit to endow you with the power of God. You know, you know deal with it, but, but don't stop doing it. 
Amen. Because if you truly believe in Jesus, then these signs will follow those that believe. Amen. Acts 2.43 says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. The goal, you know, in the supernatural is never to make a name for yourself. Okay? Let me, let me state that. It's never to make a name for yourself. Oh, I prayed for somebody and boom, this happened. So look at me. No, no, no. They were filled with awe and they, they were seeing the things that the apostles had done. But the, the point that I'm trying to make here is that the power of God flowed through their life. And that was evidence that they had a relationship with Jesus. One of the third evidences was this, is that they would preach the gospel. In Acts chapter 8, verse 4, it says, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. This was another evidence of relationship with Jesus. They preached the word wherever they went. Are you preaching the word? Amen. Are you preaching the word? Or are we gossiping about our neighbor? Some things flow from our tongue a lot easier than others. But dare I say that the gospel, what the Lord has commanded us to speak and to preach, should flow from our heart naturally because guess what? It flowed from Jesus' life naturally because he had a new heart. His heart wasn't even a normal heart anymore. It was a heart after the Father, amen? Those who scattered, they preached the word wherever they went. Verse 5 says, Philip went down to a city in Samaria, and he proclaimed the Messiah there. What does that mean? He was proclaiming the gospel. He was proclaiming about Jesus. 1 Peter 3 and 15 says this, But in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. Why has he given us a heart? To know him as Lord. That's what the scripture says. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared. What does preparation mean? It means that you're ready at any time. You're ready. Someone says, hey, you know, uh, why is it that you're so... Joyful. Say, well, let me tell you. I have the Holy Spirit living in my life. And the Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So be ready, church. Be ready to give an answer. Because there's people out there that are hungry. They're thirsty. They actually do want to know God. Amen? When your life is ready, the Lord will put people in front of you. When you're prepared, the Lord will put people in your path. The Lord will put a divine appointment for you to open your mouth to say and share the gospel of Jesus with that person. I'll never forget, a, you know, a couple, it was actually after our Christmas kind of dinner thing that we did here for my class, right before, you know, the turn of the new year. We were we finished dinner and I preached the message that night and right after we uh, I finished preaching you know we we're kind of cleaning up the food and everybody was just you know back fellowshipping and talking and next thing I know there's a, this woman that walks into the to the sanctuary and and everybody was kind of mingling and doing their thing and she caught my eye and I remember seeing her you know out of the corner of my eye and I just knew she needed something and 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 she was kind of like she looked like she was looking for somebody. So she walks in and she's looking for somebody and, 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 and I kind of was had to put the conversation that I was having on pause and I said, hey, can I help you? And she's like, I'm looking for the pastor. And I said, okay. And I was like, uh, how can I help you? And she's like, I'm looking for Pastor Duke. I'm like, well, I'm him. And I'm like, Kind of looking, I'm like, does he have a weapon or something? I'm like, I don't know why you're here, you know. I don't know what our business is right now, but, you know, because she looked kind of distraught, like, you know, just something was going on in her heart and in her life. And she said, I passed by the church, and then I passed by again. And she's like, and I, I told God, God told me to, to stop and to turn around and to come back and to talk to Pastor Duke. I mean, even I'm in disbelief, like, God told you that? <laughs> like, like, okay. And I said, let's talk. Long story short, we sat on at the back of the church for about 20 minutes or so. 
she was ready to give her heart to Jesus. And I thank God by his grace that I was ready to simply just lead her to him. See, this is some of the evidence or fruit of a heart that's been renewed. This is what happens when the Lord gives you a new heart. A heart that desires what his will is, when his will is doing it. A heart that's no longer living for self, but rather to serve others. A heart that's no longer fearful, but it's bold to proclaim the truth of the gospel. And you begin to carry within your inmost being the son of God. And guess what, my friend? You will never live another day like you used to. Once Jesus is living in your heart, you will never live another day like you used to because when the Lord takes up residence in your heart, there's no more tolerance for sin anymore. Amen? When the Lord takes up residence for our heart, there's no more division. There's no more instability. There's no more insecurity, but rather there's life in his perfect love. Amen? There's peace in the very nature of God begins to change our nature. And so we begin this fantastic relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And there's everything from supernatural to suffering. But one thing is for sure. Psalm 73 and verse 26 says this. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. See, one day, my friend, we're not going to live forever. Amen? That might be the worst news that I'll tell you tonight. We're not going to live forever on this earth, that's for sure. But you know what, my friends? If Jesus is living in your heart, you will live in eternity with the King of Kings forever. That is, brings my heart so much peace. It says, though my flesh and my heart may fail, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Is he the strength of your heart tonight? See, he should never and he will never fail you. Proverbs 20 and verse 9 says, Who can say I have kept my heart pure and I am clean and without sin? You see, no mortal man has ever been able to claim purity of heart. No person has ever been able to say that they don't need relationship with the Lord because they're righteous already like God. No man has ever been able to live a perfect life except for one. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 4 says, He is the rock, and his works are perfect. All his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just, is he. Romans 5 and 18 says this, Just as one trespass, this is Adam's sin, resulted in the condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. It says, For justice through the disobedience of the one man, the, 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 it says the many were made sinners, it says so also through the obedience of of the one man, many will be made righteous. You know, back in the Old Testament, it was customary that, that they had to slaughter and spill the blood of, of, of bulls or goats or, or rams. And a sheep was to be offered as a sacrifice for the sins of the people so that sin could be atoned for. That word atone, it means to make amends or it means to, to repair. But in the New Testament, it would be Jesus who would atone for the sins of the world once and for all. Amen? And the Bible says that he was born of a virgin birth and he grew up, he lived, he worked, he walked on this earth just like you and me. He went through the same struggles just like you and me, temptations and hurts of this life just like you and me. And he was tempted by Satan himself and yet the Bible says that he did not sin. And because the sinful nature of man you know, was so bent against holiness and purity and righteousness, then they considered Jesus blasphemous and they sought to kill him. And one day Jesus was taken captive and they gave the people a choice between Jesus or Barabbas, who was a known criminal at the time. Barabbas was actually, uh, you know, he was, it was thought to be that, you know, he was on trial because he was a murderer or he was with somebody that committed a murder. But yet the Bible says they chose Christ, the innocent one. The Bible says that they whipped and they flogged him, that he was mocked. He was forced to carry a heavy cross through the city so that people could spit on him and raise their voices at him. They tore off his beard. They placed a crown of thorns upon his head. They nailed his hands and his feet to a wooden cross to be lifted up in shame for all to see. The Bible goes on to say that they cast lots. That's, they placed bets for his clothing. They tore open his back. They pierced his side. And yet Jesus did not curse them. He wasn't vengeful. But yet he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. 
His blood then emptied out for you and me, and they wrapped him and they placed him in a tomb guarded by Roman soldiers. But the Bible says that not even the powers of death could hold Christ in the grave. Not even the strength of men could lock him in a tomb for the very same father that sent him on the mission was the very same father who had sent his resurrection power through the Holy Spirit to raise Jesus from the dead so that all who would believe in him would not die but have everlasting life. Oh man, I thank God for that so much. I thank the Lord for that so much. Hebrews 9 and 14, I love this verse. It says, so how much more then Will the blood of Christ, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself un unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. So I ask you to bow your heads tonight. The Lord wants you to know his son Jesus as Lord. God wants you to know his son Jesus as Lord. Lord of your life. He wants to give you a brand new heart. He wants to transform your life from the inside out. He wants to make you completely new. He doesn't want to just, you know, put a band-aid on your life, but he wants to make you completely transformed and completely new if you would just say yes to his son, Jesus. If you would just simply say yes to Jesus, and you would say, Lord, I don't need anything else in this life, but Lord, I will forsake all things to follow you, Jesus. I will follow your leading for my life because I know that one thing is for sure, that if I follow you, Jesus, though I die in this world, I will live on for eternity. Though my body be slain in this world, though my, my body will see decay like the book of Psalms says, I will be raised to life when Jesus comes back for us. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.